0: Our third speaker is Mary Bowman. She is the administrator of the Economic Research Service uh, at USDA. And she will be uh, uh, giving her remarks, sharing experiences from the US. Mary has been the administrator of USDA, uh, of ERS at USDA since December 2011. Has a lot of experience to share with us. We look forward to that. Thank you, Mary. Thank you very much. Um, I appreciate being invited to participate in this really interesting event and talk about the US experience with the transformation of our ag sector. As Mauricio and Schengen discussed, natural resources and technology are key influences around the world when you look at the ag transformation. And they play an important role in the US experience. I'm going to start by going back to 1850, over 150 years ago, to look at what have been multiple transformations of the US agricultural sector. If you um, look at the data, this goes up to 2016. And you start at the bottom, you see land expansion. This is billions of acres. At the end of the 19th century, beginning of the 20th century, land and agriculture and farming doubled during that period as the US moved westward and broke new territory. Um, And then it's quite interesting, one of the few things that hasn't changed in the following 100 years has been the amount of land in agriculture. We've seen a slight decrease in some reforestation of US um, land and farming. For farm numbers, we see a rapid increase as the land is expanding. But starting in 1935, there's a a sharp decrease in the number of farms as mechanization became very widespread. So technology playing a big role in the transformation of ag. Um, and then you also see the average farm size following the decrease in farm numbers and increasing. There, It looks like things are fairly steady and not transforming starting around 75. But I'll show you some statistics that show that this masks a great deal of ongoing change in our agricultural sector. Um, what causes this change and what's driven the growth of US Ag? It's productivity. Um, Thank you for already mentioning ERS's work on total factor productivity. We have very in-depth work on measuring US agricultural productivity. And you see here, um, if you look at the orange line, that's output since 1948. And actually, here for I'm going to focus on the post-World War II period and look at the transformation. So orange is output. It's gone up steadily. Blue is the input, so the land, labor capital, seed, et cetera. You see a really steady amount. So the US sector, through technology and better management, has been able to increase output and growth at, with the same input. So this measures total factor productivity. And during this period, it's grown about 1.5% per year. And we've seen tremendous transformation underneath this. Um, this gives you a slice of what's happening with different inputs. The blue bars are that same orange line for um, output changes in the U.S. And then we have indices for four inputs starting in 1948. And if you look at the bottom in orange, that's labor. So the, and when, that's not surprising when you see a decreasing number of farms that we have the sharpest decrease in this period has been the labor on the farm sector. And then the line above that is land. We have seen a reduction in the land input over this 60 to 70 year period. Now what's grown, um, and I think this wouldn't be a surprise if you think about this period, has been um, capital other than land and intermediate inputs. The yellow line shows intermediate inputs. This is things you use every year. Feed, seed, energy, fertilize, pesticides, and purchase services. For example, hiring in labor for custom harvesting. So you see that's been a steady increase. And this is quality adjusted, too. The seeds that you're buying now are much higher quality in terms of productivity than they were even back in 1948. And then capital, you can think of the mechanization, the growth in capital, that was a steady increase until the farming crisis in the US in the early 80s. And here we see um, there was depreciation, no purchase of the new capital, and a very slow buildup of capital over time. So we see within this sector, in the post-World War II era, you see a lot of changes underlying, driven by technology and the organization of agriculture. And research investments to produce the new seeds, the different chemicals have been an important factor underlying this. So just want to now take a second to talk about a transformation in farm structure that shows you why I said (laughs) those two steady lines, starting at about 75, were misleading. In the U.S., we have a very skewed um, distribution of farms. There's about 2.2 million farms, but over half are very small farms with less than 10,000 in sales. Often, a person their secondary incomes, and they dominate the statistics whenever you take averages. So you really have to break our farms out into different smaller groups to look at what's happening. And this chart. Starts at the top, very large farms, just in the short period, I think, of 91 to 2015. We see the top two categories, very large at 5 million and more in sales, and large at 1 million and more in sales, growing in the share of the value of U.S. ag production. And this is coming as we see a decrease in mid sized farms, 1 million to 350,000 in small farms. 350,000 and below. So their share of production is much smaller in 2015 than it was even in 1991. And if you go back and look at this, we have pretty good data back to 1973. You see a very steady change in the composition of farms that we have in the United States. Oops. And markets are really, in my In our research, we see that markets are driving a lot of this in profitability. This is a measure of return on assets by the same categories of farm size you saw on the other chart. And you don't even need a legend. They're really in order of the size of the farm. The top is the farms of 5 million or more in sales, all the way down to the small farms. you, and so here you say, we would expect to see ongoing consolidation in the US, that there are profits to be made from getting larger. I think not just that there's scale economies and technology, but also some efficiencies in organization to participate in the kind of markets that we have today in agriculture. <coughs> there's some benefits in being larger. and. Um, So I think there's a profitability and markets are going to continue to drive structural change in the US. I want to talk about a couple things that you don't see in this chart. It does look like being bigger is a way to be more profitable. But if you look at the data, at every size of farm and every type of operation, crop and livestock, you see very profitable smaller farms. So, there are people, you know, and not just people who are letting their fixed assets depreciate, but people who are finding strategies, new markets, maybe organic or direct sales, that are finding ways to be profitable in this environment at all sizes. And you see this also all across the US. A second thing you don't see is that these are mostly family farms. There's a lot of talk about corporate agriculture, but 99% of the farms. By number in the US, are family farms. And um, 90% of the production in the US comes from farms where more than 50% of the assets are owned by the same family group. And I think that's a striking thing that despite all this change, families have remained the key organizational structure. Perhaps it's the trust they have in rapidly changing markets and weather. Maybe it's the knowledge of their land or of their animals. And, they, and it's something that we speculate on whether that will continue as you have more information technology. Will that replace some of the advantages of the family? Well, not yet is in the US. And then I just want to close by talking a bit about income and what we see in terms of farm incomes. Um, Post-World War II. Farm and rural incomes were um, lower than off-farm jobs, off-farming city incomes. And the spread of manufacturing and non-farm jobs to rural America contributed to raising farm household income to equal or above all households. And this is a very tricky area of measurement. So I'm going to use a fairly short time period and here compare farm households to um, self self-owned businesses, so owner-operator businesses, which face a higher level of risk than other households and are a good comparator. And we see, starting looking into the 90s, that farm household income is getting um, higher. It's approaching the median household of self-employed businesses. We see farm household income higher than the median income of all households. So the income issues for farms in the US largely um, don't exist. There are a few, you know, few pockets of poverty. But farmers, in general, have quite a bit of um, wealth and income com- relative to the population and uh, what you might say is a good comparator of other owned businesses. So I want to say that this couldn't have been done without the work of my colleagues at ERS. We've got some recent reports that are on our website that touch on these issues. And I also appreciate the invitation. It got me to read Bruce Gardner's book, published in, I think, 2008 on the transformation of US agriculture. And I highly recommend that to anyone who wants to spend more than 10 minutes to 12 minutes. It's a wonderful book. (laughs)